Greetings, pals. <laughs> hey, pals. Hello, pals. Afternoon, all. Um, welcome to the podcast, Throw in the Pow. My name is Francis. My name is Thomas. My name is Marxus. <laughs> and my name is Christopher. Did you say Marxus? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got confused to what we were talking about. I'm Marcus and I'm a Marxist. <laughs> just using, well, just full names, just full names. Uh, this is the podcast, Throw in the Power, the podcast where we talk about movies and, of course, we all disagree. Yeah. Is the general, is the general consensus. never happened. Well. Has it happened? I don't know. Is it we've all had different numbers? No, yeah. No, no, no. Have we ever all hated a film? I, I No. Well, Cats, we were so oh, close to Cats. Oh, my God, if Tom just... My smiled. memory of Cats is that we all danced and sang the whole time. <laughs> 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 I, saw a, I saw a meme the other day oh, yeah. and it was Ian McKellen <laughs> in Cats and... <laughs> I looked at it and went, what is this from? Ian McKellen was in Cats. <laughs> I, t- I must have turned it off you before he even turned you missed up. him. It gets worse. God anyway, I watched you attack any- yourself with a hammer after that episode. <laughs> I'm shocked you remember anything about that. The concussion was severe. I beat it out of my short term memory. You pulled out your memory machine <laughs> and it was gone. So welcome to the podcast. <laughs> We're talking about Tar. Tar. The uh, 2022 film starring Kate Blanchett, written and directed by Todd Field, and we rate these movies out of 11. It's a number scale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I can count that high. And Thomas, is there a reason why we rate them out of 11? Because anyone in the room would see I'm very nervous right now because this is the one I forgot to come up with something for. <laughs> here's, here's, okay, here's what I think. Kate Blanchett no. is the only living actor that if she died and had 11 Oscars, I'd be okay with it. That's my take. I think Kate Blanchett, I'm, I'm sorry, I know that's not particularly original or fun or unique, but. That's a weird one. I don't You want You want Kate Blanchett to have 11 Oscars before she dies. Yes. Which apparently is going to be I think it would soon. be weirder if after she died she started yeah, getting that, them. Yeah, but is that like, how you worded that? Yes. Yeah. I think, I'm sorry, I'll rephrase. We should like, kill Kate Blanchett and give her Oscars. It sounds okay? to me like <laughs> once she gets 11, which is inevitable, that's, I want you to die. On that. You don't, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I read that. That was my take. I think she's a phenomenal actor. She's uh, from Melbourne as we're recording right now. Melbourne. Melbourne. We so rarely get to talk about actors of such uh, breadth. We talk about Marcus all the time. That's a good point. Marcus talks about Marcus all the time. Not not in a great Is Kate Blanchett the face of Dan Murphy's? I think not. All right. So take a step back, (laughs) Miss Blanchard. Who do you think you are? But... Congratulations, okay. Marcus. We're all very proud of you. Yes, um, you look great. Sound. And it makes me want to drink whiskey, which is not like me. I yeah. think that's just any shocker. <laughs> <laughs> he says sipping on some bubbly. <laughs> Ooh, uh, Glenn Farklands, please. Okay, so Tar. Set in the international world of Western classical music, the film centres on Lydia Tar, widely considered one of the greatest living composer, conductors, and the very first female director of a major. major so close. Mm. Two words out. Major German orchestra. I reckon if you stuck that, we would not have noticed. But I didn't stick it. Mm. Yeah, commit, you should put commit. it away to start with before <laughs> yeah, you try sticking just, anyone. Just commit to it. All right, pal. so Don't stress. shout your name if you like this film. <laughs> Top flag. Chris. Oh. Marcus, you forgot to shout your name. Marcus, you mispronounced. I guess we'll give you another go. Okay. Another yeah, one. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Shout, shout your name if you like this movie. Finally. <laughs> well, that's what that feels like. <laughs> yeah, that was hurtful. That was hurtful. Okay, Marcus, what's your number? Uh, I'm at the moment. I'm going to give this a five point two. Ooh, five point two. Using the decimals. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Just under halfway. Uh, Chris or myself. Let's go. I'm going to go. Well, let's go the octave. I'll go eight. <laughs> Eight tones there in the scale. Very nice, very nice. And I'll go, I'll go 7.5. It's not bad. Not Let's bad. go the decktive. Nope. I'm going to go, go 10. It's going to be a 10. It's a Deck. 10. Okay. 10. That's very high. I love this movie. So this, that's, yeah, what did you give it? 5.2. Hmm. So we were all like, you're not, you don't hate it. He's under the no, threshold I, by 0.3, correct, Chris? If my somewhere around there. there. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere around there. there. And you know what? We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could be in the middle with an eight. Who knows? Fuck. <laughs> the scale was meaningless. <laughs> Someone's like, I give it a C. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? C major scale, the easiest one to play. We, could uh, go, we, could, we should have gone like themes for rating. That could have been fun. 
awful for everyone else, but fun for us. Explain how fun. Okay, it. give it a note out of a out of the scale. Uh, what was Tom's the other week? Something like an F, uh, F. E sharp. No, he said the F flat. F flat. F flat. <laughs> the most notoriously well known. It's the brown note, That's right? The brown it's note. The yeah. F flat. Yeah, I shit myself when you said that. <laughs> I don't think that was the brown note. You shit yourself. That's what the, and he said that. <laughs> yes. That's what the brown note does. Yeah, to but you. it was the other way around. Anyway, what's mm. uh, what are we saying here? Marcus <laughs> didn't enjoy this movie. Oh, look, I wanted to. You almost did. Obviously, I knew going in, Kate Blanchett was going to be amazing. Yeah. She is, and I can't really fault her at all. There's just some moments in the film where I think she's let down by maybe um, curves in the story that I was a bit bummed out by. The film is too long, two and a half hours. Oh two, hour, two hours, 38. Know, oh, this is probably the only time I've ever said this. The pacing was right. The film was too long. Mm. I like that take. Yeah. So it moved quickly enough, quickly enough for you. No, no, no. It was it was a slower pace, which oh, you liked, and it chose. It its moved slow to enough for you. Move to an allegro at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frank is giving me the most withering stare I have ever received in my life. You've had a few. Uh, <laughs> he looked anyway. at me as if he were my father And I just came home and said Dad, I just got into clown college Like, I've never seen Tom, a if like you got into college, I'd be very proud of you Clown college? Dad, Any, Starship Troopers is my Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> Great callback It's true mm, It's Well true. done Okay, so Marcus, so you were saying No, it's okay, I thought the pacing pace. was great it, was, it chose its moments to sort of pick up And it, and it was a bit um, There was a lot more going on I, I was most engaged with this film Firstly, the film opens with I'm going to add a guess Like an 18 minute monologue of her, it is technically a duologue. It's an interview. It, it, it the is interview. technically, mm. but like it's her it's, and Adam Gopnik. The she interview. just talks and talks and talks. And slowly, when, when I first watched that, because I, I thought, although I was really engaged and very interested in what she was saying, there was my brain going, "This is Kate really acting," if that makes sense. And it took me a while to go, "Oh no, no, no! Of course, it's the character who's acting. I mean, she's putting on this, you know." Um, her interview sort of style. So, like, mm. if anything, it's credit to her that she just acting on top of acting. Oh yeah. my god! And when you realise that, acting exception. Chris it mentioned is. this during our Oscars episode that it's like we're mm. watching an actress play a character who's then putting on a persona for people. Yeah, and it's kind of insane watching that sort of technical mm. performance. Because when you when you mm. start it, you go, "Oh, this is awful." Truly, and then it truly. sort of settles and you go, oh, mm. it is too long though. That scene is too long. I disagree. I disagree with you disagreeing I with me. I think it should feel longer than it does I, because, again, should I was f- really engaged oh, with okay. what you were saying and it's stuff that I don't have any idea about. G flats. And yeah, but I don't. Like I'm not. F flats. I'm not music and I, I don't know anything about composing and et cetera, et cetera. The Do whole, you know what podcast you're on, Marcus? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It just, wasn't related, but just thought, just the way you said it. You said it like like a cop had just pulled you up at a drug stop, like, you know what you're doing today, mate? Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> just wait for I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> well, am I awake? Where am I? That was very, that was very yeah. funny to me, sorry. Uh <laughs> it's a great performance. It just started to lose me from probably the halfway point where I stopped caring so much or Firstly, it seems like they're trying to paint a really unlikable female protagonist quite intentionally. And I didn't feel she's un- as unlikable as she's supposed to be received, if that also makes sense. Yeah. I think she's very good at what she does. And, yeah, look, sure, she's made some pretty poor choices outside of her professional work and her career. And, sure, she might use people a little bit, but, like, who doesn't? <laughs> It's certainly not unusual to see a character, largely often a male antihero, do mm. things much worse than this. Correct. And we and we see them, and we kind of see the movie facilitate their arc to a degree that it's like, oh, they slept with someone and coerced them. Like that's fucking child's play. That's nothing. Yeah. But of course, this is a movie in 2022 that's engaging with the idea of cancel culture. Of course, and, and what the cancel is. culture army comes swinging through saying how dare you paint a, a female in such a poor light. And oh, I think I think that's one element of one like element. looking at this movie, but I mean within the universe of this film 
how this film is engaging with the notion of cancel culture. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. I do social not, media yes. and and yeah, the whole use there. I do not think I've seen a single film engage with this topic or this cultural environment in an interesting way beyond this movie. This is the only film I've seen in the last 3 years that I'm like, "Oh my god, there's an there's an actual sophisticated nuanced and completely ambiguous take on this that doesn't feel like a cop out. It feels rounded. It feels majestic and it's spellbinding. Like I am so taken with this film the whole time it's on. I'm actually – and like then when I say all this, I'm like why is this not an 11? And I'm still thinking it's me because I, I'm not grasping everything that's there yet and I don't want to mm. pretend this is a perfect movie to me when there are textures and elements to it that are just beyond my reach at the moment. I think that's what I'm waiting for. Again, we've done this before where we we sort of sit in the middle or on the fence hoping someone can go, but here's what it was about, here's what you missed mm-hmm. and either watch it again or let me just explain it to you and I go, oh, yeah, sick, great film. Whereas, you know, it, it does a lot about her mental state, her you know, her psychosis and her paranoia and her insomnia and it, it covers on a lot of stuff that at a point where I start to buy into it and then almost at moments it almost explains it away. Like, uh, let me give you an example, the chime that she hears constantly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I really like this. And I was I was engaged with that and obviously it gets you thinking and then, then the neighbour comes barreling through and calling for help and screams for her to come and assist. And literally at that moment I went, I know what it is. And it just dawned on me and then, of course, she goes to the neighbour's house and it's a it's an emergency alarm, like a call for help. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck. But then immediately I go back to, well, okay, so it wasn't in her head. Where are we at? But then there's plenty of times where she goes on her runs and she hears screaming. Where's yeah, that coming from? True, she but- hears sirens mm. that don't come from anywhere. She has a metronome that gets set off in her house. Mm. No explanation for that. Mm. Plenty of things. Can I tell you something that has become film Twitter's new favourite thing and on one level there's a superficial element that I'm slightly allergic to and on the other level I'm like this is pretty fun and cute and I like it. Do you know there's a ghost in this movie? I have it in my notes. I mean that you see it? immediately Frank? should be no? to oh, me Chris? there is a right. there are several scenes in this movie mm. where when she wakes up at night and it's quite dark or when she goes to certain rooms and there is just a long-haired woman sitting in the it's corner. The it's, it's, it's the redhead. It's the redhead. Christy Taylor? Uh, it's Christy? Krista is the name Krista. of the actual character uh, in the movie who we yeah. never meet. No. But she's the girl the that, that she, she is coerced, abused. So it's and when then, Petra is calling out for her in the middle of the night. Yes, you And she gets it. out of bed suddenly and as she shifts from the bed to walking out the door, it just glazes past the redhead sitting in the chair. Mm. Oh, and I have shit. to admit, Ooh. I never noticed it. And I, it hasn't necessarily changed my assessment of the movie, but I love that Todd Field never felt the need to, to draw attention it. to it ever no. yeah. and go like, this is not a supernatural film in the true sense. It's a psychologically pervasive film in which the reality and the temporal construct of someone's world becomes t- totally altered by the fact that they're just like kind of going crazy. Well, she probably feels that like she's always being watched exactly. by Chris, you know what I mean, because the guilt. Yes. Although I... I did enjoy that moment because I freeze-framed, went back and was like, oh, my God, it actually is there. Mm. I, it felt out of place to me. I think it feels out of place the way that Twitter's treating it and going like, this explains the movie. I'm like, no, it doesn't. No. <laughs> like the movie already is there. If don't don't pretend it. it's more than it is. It's a little texture. It's a yeah. flourish. That's all yeah. it is. But it is one that makes me smile. And I go like, nice. He had that cheeky little... Like he, he knew that if he put something in there, people might find I something. I think if they alluded to more of that throughout the film, I would have I would have bucked, made... I would have bucked back. If it had become more of like a what if there is some sort of supernatural, I'd have been like, mm, no, no, I not so much, not so much. Mm, more that. of her delusions and the, That's the visions. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I enjoyed her running after the screaming in, sure. the, in the woods and her, trying to find it, and then just not. Her yeah. dreams, which are some of the most confrontingly realistic. You know, there's just those weird, blurry sort of shots of faces that are kind of like smeared, and mm. it's like weird close-ups mm. with people where they put their hands on someone's head and pull back, mm. and you're like, these are dreams I've had. And when I wake up, I'm like, oh. I can not tell you what happened but something was wrong in this dream mm. you know and then one of my favorite images in the film is when she's on the bed just in the the jungle 
and the bed catches fire and there's a snake it's a nice swimming shot. through. Oh, my God. It's a very nice that shot. That is one of my favourite shots. Again, I wanted yeah. to like this more than I did. It's just something irked me about it. Yeah. Well, it's a visually stunning film and obviously it, mm. it says a lot and it does a lot and Kate Blanchett is amazing and Todd Field has done a great job. But there are scenes where I feel like perhaps it doesn't really land when she chases the um, cellist girl... Uh, Nomi Malant, I think it is. Yeah. Who? No, the cellist. You're talking about the young cellist. Her name's yeah. um, Sophie Cower. Naomi Malant is her assistant. Is her part? Oh, yes. Yep. But Sophie Cower, who's like a complete, she's just like a cellist, and she's like mm. not acted before. And, and she chases her through the slums. Sophie Cower. Yes, yeah, Sophie Cower. Yeah. So she, yeah, she's the homeless. It turns out to be maybe homeless. Well, I don't We're not really sure. But it's then never she chases, really resolved. chases her through that um, old ruin essentially, and it becomes yeah. a, almost a horror film for. Slum. Yeah, and uh, but I was like, why is this happening? And how did um, Sophie's character, the cellist, how did she disappear? Where did she just go? This is where the film started to lose me. Truly, that that exact scene. That's I'm the same. I love that scene. Okay, why? Why? I think that there are a number of explanations that work in character for the movie and then there are explanations that work with the genre and the sort of like... Uh, genre. The We're genre, sorry. Yes. And the more like thematic elements that it's playing at. So the in-character explanation could be Sophie Cower is getting dropped off somewhere random because she doesn't want Lydia Tarr to know where she lives because she knows about Lydia Tarr, right? But also she, like, she's very obviously using her... Sophie Cower, yes. one of my favourite things about the movie, how she like you, you know, think Lydia is the predator... And as the movie starts to twist towards its ending, it's like she has no idea how to handle this girl. No. This girl completely every She's like, oh, I recommend this salad. And the girl gets something else at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, this composer or this conductor. And she's like, I don't know who the conductor was. I watched it on YouTube. And it's like Lydia can't work her out and she wants to get her, her hooks around mm-hmm. her, but mm-hmm. she can't quite get there. And then when she goes looking for her in this building, yeah, she's probably just asked her to let her off somewhere random and she's fucked off to her actual apartment. True. So she's walked through to look for her and she's not there and it's such a, an unravelling of her life that is starting to occur in these moments where she keeps entering these atmospheres or these environments where she thinks she's in control. What, you cannot start without me is one of the fucking best quotes in any movie when she's talking yeah. about being the maestro. When she the, is time and... I am time. But I can and hold. It's Seems like an illusion, but I am controlling time. So everywhere she enters, she is master of her domain. But she mm. goes into this fucking area and she has no idea what's happening anymore. Chris, is there symbolism in the dog in that area? Good question. Uh, I mean, perhaps there is. I mean, you, you, hear, you, it, yeah, wow. you hear it <laughs> left turn. Padding right. after her for the first sort of 10 seconds before it's revealed there is a dog. Oh, is it a person? Is it someone else? What's going on? And then it is predator. Predator chasing predator. Mm. Um, through the, and then she then bolts mm-hmm. um, and she's running up the stairs. She trips and I believe it is her right arm that she injures her shoulder. And then whacks her head. And, as well. and then whacks her head. Cops but are booting. That, that ties back to the start of the film where she's talking about the left hand, melody and flow. Yes. Right hand is time. Right hand is time. Yes. And is, oh, that is the control shit. and that's what has been injured. And I'm like, oh, that's See, nice. I'm not, like I'm, no. I'm not 100% sold on that scene. I, I get where Tommy's coming from. But to where it ends up, I'm like... That works for me. Yeah, it gels. I think you handle that perfectly. In the, like that's exactly right. what I take from that as well. Hands yes, out I of each other's pants. Losing. <laughs> Please. Why don't you guys leave? But then um, the, no. the, interesting, <laughs> the interesting thing of after that scene where she's had the fall and then she lies about obviously the accident and what happened, right? Like mm. it's, again, control. Mm. She's like, I can't let mm. anyone know that my life is unravelling and I'm not that really sure. That seems interesting though because she, she then says she was attacked, which I feel is... Is admitting weakness. No, no, I think that's like baiting she, for sympathy. She fought uh, and she fought him off. You should see the other guy. You know, guy, you should so see the yeah, other guy. Yeah, I handled yeah. it, right? And it's and then when she goes to the doctor, a scene that like there's so many moments in this movie that the significance of the scene does not become apparent until the very end of it. Or it becomes like more into focus as it goes. And you watch her go to the doctor and you're like, what the fuck is this scene doing here? Like, why would I care about her going to a physiotherapist? And at the end she's like, So what do I do? He's like, nothing. You deal with it and it'll get better or it won't. And it's another moment of like, right, she can't fucking control this. Mm. This is not on her tempo. This is not something that she gets to decide. And it's just more and more moments. And almost any other film that had a character slowly unravelling and slowly kind of experiencing a a, a distension and, and weird sort of like discombobulation of her life and then suddenly having like 
a facial scar and something I'd be like, come on, a bit much. I don't know. Fucking love this one. I love I think it's great how it works. I love that it just kind of signifies the most ultimate shift. Basically, from that moment, nothing goes right for her. There are that's kind of the scene. That's I guess that's why I love that scene. I think it's the crux of the movie. It's the, the turning scene. point. It's yeah. the turning point. Mm, she yeah. does not come it's back the infraction from that moment. point. The moment she decides to pursue, no uh, it's the fucking yeah, it's the thing. Yeah, nice. Thank you. Just, <laughs> just enjoy. Just enjoy it for one second. I liked it. Um, oh god, it's, it's the scene where so weighed down by your intelligence and your fucking. <laughs> Dissertation of this film. I'm Here he goes. Sorry. It's Just the, enjoy the bit. It's a good bit. It's the scene where if she chooses if she chooses if she chooses not to follow the composer, if she chooses not to follow the cellist after that moment, maybe there's some redemption there. And she has to. She, she could have given yeah. the bear to her the next rehearsal. Absolutely. Anything like that. But it's almost like That's the excuse to go after her. Mm. Of course. Oh. Well, I think, yeah. Oh. It's, so good. I, it's I, a predatory move, I think, to like, I've dropped off at your home and I'm going to follow you in there. And it's a it's bear. Like, it's another in the, in predator. In the grand scheme of things, huh? it's a very small sort of Also, thing. Russian bear. Ah. ah. Like in Hunt for Red October. Oh, I was just thinking of <laughs> war, <probably laughs> on top of a bear, which is what I always think of when I think of Russian I, bear. Um, I have another issue with the ending again. Sorry to keep going on about endings that I think could be better, but this is again where... I didn't feel that there was any repercussions from her behaviour for these wild allegations coming forward for these, like other than her fall from grace, like her, you know, where she ends up, unless you're telling me that she left the country and she's not been extradited or something like that, I don't know. I don't, well, no, I mean, Chris has an answer for this, but she's not been, she's not like a criminal, but her no. biggest achievement was comp- like conducting for these Wonderful orchestras. And then mm. I think Chris has something to say. The repercussions are personal. She is now in, I'm going to presume, Vietnam. Yep. Uh, that was just my impression. Maybe Thailand, somewhere Maybe in Thailand. Southeast yeah, Asia. Yeah. Malaysia or I don't know. She is now conducting an orchestra while the film is playing. Um, we see these uh, performances come up from time to time. They're you know, great. Go and see Star Wars with a live with orchestra. The Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm. But again, it ties to the start of the film. I am controlling time, but she is no longer in control she because has she film. has to follow the film. She mm. is no longer in control of anything. She's just playing someone else's music. Yeah. And on that, sorry, the, and the audience is full of cosplayers. <laughs> Internet people who are going to be trolling, you know, if they knew who Lydia Tarr was, they'd be trolling and, you know, cancel culture would run rife through that crowd Sure, is like how I see it. It's the funniest cut. I went to see this with an audience early this year and it was such a remarkable thing. It was like we were a tuning fork and this movie just hit the exact right note for us just to kind of like play into some musical... References, Frank. Did that track <laughs> a tuning fork. fork and you use it to check your pitch and tone? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Left him hanging. We were, really lovely. That does track. That, tracks, I, that was really nice, actually. We were, That's why I gave you nothing. We were I'm so mad. in tune with this film and the entire audience fucking burst into laughter yeah. the second it cut to the shot of all the people in the crowd. See that? Because that, that's the funniest, that's great. bitterest. But that took me. I've that seen. took me a while. Okay. I, like you know, as you know, I'm a. I like to research and do my own reading and blah 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 and watch some video essays on YouTube. It took me a long time to get that, and I was like, oh, someone else had to spell it out for me. But then you see it, and you go, okay, that makes sense. But I didn't get that on the first watch. I was like, I get that it's like embarrassing. I get that on like a surface level, but I didn't understand the nuance of what Chris had sort of explained. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it Monster it's Hunter? It's Monster Hunter. <laughs> Monster Hunter that she's and I, composing And the for. way I laughed, there was another brand of laugh in the cinema where I was like, that guy also knows yeah. it's Monster Hunter. I'm like, there's, as as there's two it. of us in this room who did know he, what yeah. Did he from. go... <laughs> Is that what he did? That's Holy what he did. shit, that yeah. was accurate. That was pretty spot on. we got to get that. Again, like I said, I've been listening to this, editing it for 40 hours. That's it's all mostly that. In, in the lead up to that, that final scene, uh, we have the lovely shot where she's on a small boat and she's going down the river and she's just sort of 
dangling her hand oh, in the river. Yeah. She's saying, oh, why don't we stop and have a swim? And the guy's like, yeah, we will when we get to the waterfall. She's like, oh, why? She's like, well, uh, Brando was, Brando was here. Was here. He was, he was film. filming yeah. and they let some crocodiles out and they're, <laughs> they're still here. And, again, it all ties back to ego and the repercussions 50 years on from one man's, yeah, from one man's decision. (laughs) That's funny though. And it's, and and it just all ties in. It's like, yeah, the the repercussions from you are going to echo on down. I agree. They escaped from a Marlon Brando movie and she's like, Marlon Brando, that's a long time. And he's like, they survive. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And a predator. Yeah. yeah. A predator. They, they survive, you know. Yeah. We're, we're jumping all over the place, but before we leave the ending of the film, should we talk about the scene where she goes for a massage? Because it is, mm. again, a pretty salient shot. I missed the point of that. Yeah, refresh my memory. So she goes, she goes to talk to the hotel mm-hmm. concierge and... She says, I need a massage. She goes, oh, go to this place. And she goes and she pays and they go, you oh. pick a masseuse. And she turns and she looks back to the person there. And go, she's like, go to the fishbowl. Go to the fishbowl and pick one. And she looks back pick at the girl and goes, just pick one. And she goes, yes, pick one. And it cuts to a shot of all these young Southeast Asian women just looking down with a number next to them. Mm. And she's just looking at them all. And one of them looks up and makes eye contact with her. And it cuts to a shot of Kate Blanchett aghast looking back at this woman. She's just given the money to and then she runs out and so oh, explain that to me. She's been doing this her whole career. She's been looking at people, picking them out of the way it's framed like it's an orchestral like an pit. Orchestra, mm-hmm. yeah. And she cool. goes, that one. And that's the one that she takes and she abuses and then she throws away. And even her own relationship with Nina Hoss, her, her wife in this, is just a slightly more attenuated version of what she's done anyway. Well, she's Nina Hoss is her, her first violinist, right? Yes. Which is like and lead they person. Talk the about the controversy that they went through getting together, but yeah. there's a degree to which it's like, I'm kind of a fantasy that you stuck with. Like I'm the mm. one you didn't dispose of, but you keep doing it. It doesn't matter. And so she sees these women and it's never been more like starkly born in front of her. Mm. Just like this is what you do, right? You know this is... And she's so confronted by that moment. Mm. She just is viscerally. The line with her wife is uh, in, in regards to the, the child. The only it, relationship you, that's not transactional. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. What a harsh, yeah. harsh line. I've got another mm. question about earlier in the film when you first meet her. Sorry, did you say wife? Is it wife or girlfriend? Yeah, it's her wife. Wife, Nina okay, Hoss. yeah. Um, Can't remember the character's when name. When she turns up, she's obviously holding on to the medication. That she needs. Yeah, um, she's got the metropolol, which is kind of for anxiety slash, yeah. I believe, maybe like blood pressure. So is- she's she's got control of that. Is this another control thing, I'm mm-hmm. guessing? Mm-hmm. And it's then pretends that she doesn't have any and then finds, you know, some loose ones rolling around the drawer is what she says. Is that all that scene's trying to establish? It's just so. who's... Wearing the pants yeah. per se. Power, and power she, she yeah, will yeah. leave a room, construct a narrative, come back and treat it like nothing. That mm. everything she can do is very seamless. And that's one of the few moments we get to see her do it separately because the rest of the time we're watching her operate in real time. One of the biggest scenes is where she tells Sebastian, who's the like second, uh, second, second master, that she's yeah. going to be moving him somewhere mm. else. And he says, we all know what you do. We all know the favours that you curry and the things that you do. And she, in the moment, has to kind of go like, I- I'm, sh- I'm shocked by these accusations. Oh, yeah. I'm appalled that you would, you know, yeah. and you you monogamist, you know. And she says, mm. I'm, he says, I'm, I love women. I'm not a misogynist. And she goes, monogamist means someone who hates marriage. And then mm. the scene ends and you're like, well, I learned a new word. Mm. How about that? Good to know. Monogamist, monogamous. No, now I'm not even sure I got it right. Well, monogamous, you'd think would be. <laughs> no, it's the other. It's not. I don't know is if it, it is monogamist actually, but it's something. It's very similar to misogynist, but like the way that misogynist. she that you <laughs> might as well be. But she, no, she actually wasn't misogynist. It's a very strange. We're gonna find out. I'm sure. I think it was because it was. It sounds very similar to misogynist. Yeah, it does. But yeah. then she calls him out, and it's like this. I do recall that. And it is one of those moments where misogamist. Misogamist. Mm. So sorry, it's not a misogynist. It's a misogamist. Someone who hates marriage because, of course, he's having an affair with mm. um, Anders. I want to say, or the the older composer that she mm. often goes to lunch with. Yep. 
and so there's strong. that. Oh no, no, and no, no, has no, been sorry, for, sorry, sorry. and has been for forever, yep. and it's the way Understood. he's been sort of yeah. like you, you have a the, you have a, you have an apartment on the same level right. of their building. Oh, yeah, there's, there's so many little and that, the thing that yeah, the whole film is layered with these horrible relationships. It's people going, how can I? It, transactional. How can I? What am I going to get off you? Yeah. And I'll keep that relationship going if it benefits me. The mm-hmm. whole film is that every way. Even the young people in the orchestra are trying to be in Lydia Tars orchestra because mm. that's the best orchestra therefore they'll get credits therefore they can move in their career like everyone is trying to get ahead for themselves who was watching this for the second time marcus you just watched it last night chris frank you i know. didn't watch it <laughs> <laughs> Shows. as in i watched it i watched it for i watched it when it came out in cinemas and i haven't yeah. watched it since i how did you feel the second time did you get more out of it i think so so yes. much more i this thought that would have yes. been more of a shock moment you guys that I just said that. I just I just revealed that we, I didn't. We dealt with the fact that you said you didn't watch it first. So I think anything oh, yeah, after sorry. that is like <laughs> a plus. I managed, I managed expectations very well. You didn't give up on it like that guy that just gave up on cats. So, you know. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. I have guy. seen it once I, through at least. I went to see it at cinemas <laughs> back in February. And by the way, a bit we haven't even talked about is the fact that the movie starts with the credits. And, oh, shit. And yeah. I... Just love that it happened because it seems like an urban myth or like a, a made-up story. I swear to God I went to see it with Kath and we're sitting there in basically a full house and two girls walk in, stand in the aisle, look and go, <laughs> no, nah, this isn't it, this movie's over and left and I leaned over to Kath and I was like, they're going to come back in three minutes and they came back. <laughs> like they must have gone out and been like, no, nah, that's not the one with Tar, that's the credits. <laughs> They're like, yeah, trust me, you want to go in. <laughs> that's the movie. Uh, Tarantino <laughs> does that as well, doesn't he? He, he tends open. to start with like a cold open first. Like he he yeah. doesn't just do a like straight <laughs> so, to credits. But I was like, just about to burst into a Django Unchained. Django! That. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> He'll have visuals. This is, the, this is one of the only major releases, even though it's like, you know, not a... I don't know, Universal Pictures or whatever, but like it's uh, it's it's a very prominent film. The film is literally distributed by Universal Pictures. Tom's an idiot. Sorry, listener. It's TriStar. Nope. Budget twenty five million. Only made twenty nine. Yes. So it's, not, it's pretty small. It's film. an art house movie. It's one of the biggest mm. art house movies of the recent decade. Like yeah. there's very little of this. I mean, so much critical acclaim, so it's like bound Jesus. to. And the credibility this movie has and yet to some degree the word of mouth where people will go, oh, Tar, you've got to see Tar. It's a, it's a crazy engagement. But I feel movie. like most people said Kate Blanchett in Tar. Yes. They didn't say Tar the movie. I agree. You she's know what I mean? A, she's a brand. She's more, she's more of a draw card than the movie itself, her performance. Even just Lydia Tar being a real person. Nope. Lydia Tar or Linda Tar. Or Linda, as it's discovered, without the accent, as we see later at the end of the film. Have you not heard this? Go on. So at one point late last year, once this movie started to really pick up speed, someone on Twitter was like, you know, this is a a bit of Allegra and then it crescendoed and then it kind of went pianoforte and then a little like (laughs) mezzo soprano. (laughs) Anyway. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty tight. Some of that's all right. You missed some of this. A little bit. Sort of voce. And then there was... Color voce right now. Sort of voce. And then... (laughs) Anyway. Shout out out to Sean McAuliffe. uh, The Australian Why? Why, Does he do music jokes? Sort of voce. Sort of voce. It sounds like a, an Italian threat. <laughs> like, hey, son of a shame. <laughs> anyway, um, there, I have to imagine this is how it happened, is someone online just went, wow, the movie Tar's so good, you'd think it was a real person. And one person on Twitter went, she's a real person. Oh. And the other person went, what? Are you sure? And half of Twitter, without even having to talk about it, the way when you're at a party and someone says something that's untrue but you all <laughs> agree to go along with it, they all went, <laughs> and then Twitter just pretended for a solid month or two that Lydia Tarr's a real person. And it fully turned into people being like, wait, is she real or isn't she? That's like it funny. was a whole thing. Did someone very, make a fake Wikipedia? There was her? a fake Wikipedia. There was a fake Twitter account for her. There was a whole thing where Leonard Bernstein's family came out and said, even though we know the age discrepancy and the timeline doesn't quite match up, we can confirm that Lydia Tarr studied <laughs> under Lenny Bernstein. And everyone was like, what is happening? <laughs> this seems a little bit far. Wow. Very funny. Very funny. That's some fantastic marketing. Oh, my God. How good. <laughs> Isn't it? 
I've got two more questions because I'm the one wanting to be swung here because mm-hmm. I do, again, I do want to like it. Uh, earlier earlier in the film you've got a scene where she's teaching young composing students. Oh, that is a fantastic fucking scene. It's a good scene. scene. One of the and best we, scenes. We haven't Sorry. talked about it. No, so with the young Max, the with guy the young Max, Max and his, his yeah. legs won't stop jiggling. Yeah, which, which is which interesting p- choice. It works, it works because once she grabs his leg to stop it and you that it's another moment, like I said about ten minutes ago, of yeah, like sure. the scene explains itself in mm. its last moments where you're like, what the fuck's up with the leg jiggle? And the mm. second she grabs it, you're like, But it's also something's gonna happen here. Yeah. Like, it's also uh, like you imagine this kid, he's intimidated by her. It's just the personification of that, mm. the physicalization. Her, her point though is I mean that's a very heavy-handed scene too and you can take a lot from it. It's mm-hmm. definitely a talking point. Um, what I took from it, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that she jumps to the defence of artists in general in saying that regardless of their personal indiscretions, it should not be a reflection upon their art. Yeah, she's, that, a, she's an advocate for artists and forget, forget who the artist is, the art is what matters. Yeah. Okay. And get out of your own way. In enjoying or connecting with that art, yeah, which because yeah. he put up these blocks for personal reasons and, and personal beliefs. Mm. Um, I knew that was a really good scene, and again, the film had me there, and I was really engaged and super into it, and I wanted more of that throughout. And it started to twist and turn, and as it needs to as a story, it just sort of lost me along the way. But I, I'm bringing this up because I know that you obviously want to talk about that scene, or someone should at least, right? It's a great scene. It is it's a really scene. wonderful scene. It's a scene. one-er. It just like mm. runs. It just Which plays. Which means it's a one-shot. It's a one-shot. There's no cuts. Yes, mm. unlike Birdman where there's 28. Hacks. Liars. Eleven. The fact that Kate Blanchett just actually plays the piano in that scene and, and almost all the yeah, music. Yeah, imagine being able to play piano. I think the way that she integrates it into the scene so successfully and naturally is very impressive. Anyway. That is a scene to me where someone makes one of the best and most articulate arguments against people condemning artists for their behaviour in a way that is still itself so invested in the identity of who she is. And again, not only does that scene make more sense once it ends, that scene makes more sense once the movie ends. Yeah. Because of course Lydia Tarr believes this because she knows her own indiscretion. She has to believe that otherwise she's... What the fuck would she do? has no merit. She would mm. believe that her own morality precludes her being able to be a person of, of great sophistication and standing within the world of classical music. Itself such a rarefied field, you know. And so she looks at someone, you know, discriminating or not discriminating but sort of like tearing down Bach and going, you're going to fucking, what are you going to say about Bach? Like, mm. Jesus Christ, like he's mm. one of our greats. He's our pillar. If Bach can get teared down, torn down, what happens to me, right? But I think at the same time that scene does not pick sides. One of my favourite things about that scene is that Max is not to me a guy who's making an unreasonable point. He's making a point that I think is less articulate and less established and grounded in the experience and the intellect that she has. Well, and yet you're like, I get it. Well, it's great because he ends up leaving without conceding. Yes. Right? Like yeah, he- that, the script, the, the, yeah, that's what he doesn't give up. But also like it's, it's a shame that the film kind of gives, gives Lydia Tarr all the power in that scene because Max's point is, is, is valid. But... He doesn't have the the intellect or the vocabulary to articulate it, mm. and like he goes, the, his last line is "You're a fucking bitch," and walks out. And you go, well, that's he's just. It's a uh, shame that uh, the emotionality. Gets a- yeah, like you know, what I mean? he's just. Oh, I'm just gonna. But it's the movie you. selling us on why we should. Excuse me, why we should care about a character and invest in this character even though she may have some moral ambiguity to her because of her intellect and because of her, I, I cannot but, think of a We've movie. spoken about this in American Beauty yeah. with obviously Kevin Spacey. It's like ha, ha, you, you, not that you have to be able to remove the art from the artist, but there is. You can't deny that Kevin Spacey is great in that film. Kevin Spacey is not a great person, not a great man, but a great actor. Well, I'm a firm believer in that personally. So, and I it's like, like it's like Lydia Tarr's the whole thing is about that, and it's like, sure, I don't know, like how does the movie want us to feel about that? Because it seems a little not questionable, but to put it in a more pop setting, yeah. uh, in the last decade, perhaps uh, we lost Michael Jackson, 
And there mm. was a large push after he died and things coming out. It's like, well, we can never obviously play Michael Jackson again. But mm. you put on the radio today and you will hear Michael Jackson. And He's still one of the most played artists. I'm the fine with that because I can separate the two. I can he did abhorrent things. Yeah. But I can separate that. I can still enjoy the music for what it is and what it does. Yeah. I, I'm still able to enjoy it. And a lot of it, like, sorry, Marcus, but like Quincy Jones wrote most of it and mm. arranged mm. most of it. Like Michael Jackson is, of course, the most incredible performer, singer, dancer, all that stuff. But if you discredit his music, you discredit 40 other people. Mm. At minimum, you know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah, he's the figurehead of that, but like, you know, and then. uh, You have the emotional and intellectual capacity to be able to separate that, whereas you've got the blind followers who still to this day will swear that, you know, you can't, how dare you say something against Michael Jackson? It's like, well. That's the flip side. 100%. Which this movie only engages with to some degree, but I, I agree that it's like it's not that there isn't a nuanced conversation to be had, it's that it tends to be the extremities. No, how dare you, you shouldn't even mention their name. What are you talking about? They didn't do anything wrong. And it's like, well, both of those are unhelpful, right? But I don't even think that Tar necessarily is engaging with that on that level. I think what Tar is doing is looking at an outrage culture and a perpetuated cycle of, you know, virality and, and what have you that leads to the denigration and the sort of like dismemberment of a person's like cultural edifice and, and the way that they, they the live impact, in the world. Yeah. And the impact in a way that is not at all commensurate with what they've done or at least not even regarding what they've done. One of the most important scenes in the movie is when they show her that Twitter video where they're like, look at how they've edited that fucking scene. Oh, God. Sorry, this movie's so good. The way that they take <laughs> the way they take that scene with Max and they repurpose it for that Twitter edit and that little video where it sounds like she's calling him like terrible, disparaging things, and then it looks like she puts her hand on his leg and she's like sexually like being coercive and all this sort of stuff. And that's the moment in the movie where people start to go, "This is where we need to take this seriously." And it's like, wait, because of a Twitter video where I had a disagreement with someone and you edited it to make it seem like I was saying what I wasn't. Oh, well, there's this other stuff that you did that's actually more questionable. Cool, that's valid. Why is this the thing that's getting me in trouble? And it's, it's the movie asking what the fuck are our morals and what is our attention span that we tend to pay? Like, because Lydia Tarr is a shitty person. Bad person. Remarkably intelligent and complex, and really, really astoundingly compelling person, but a very, very shitty person. But imagine... Yeah. Sorry, no, you're no, like no. halfway through a point. But imagine if Kate Blanchett... Imagine if that came out about Kate Blanchett. But like, not only that, then a video of her like answering a question at Cannes, where it made it, they made it sound like she said something disparaging about some race answering or ethnicity a question or whatever. In a can, in a can, where she's in a can, and it's like we prefer jars. No, but I've, sorry, but, but I've heard like, I've heard stories about Kate Blanchett, and apparently she is a bit of a mole. I've heard she's a little aloof. Huh? You know? <laughs> sorry, aloof. <laughs> no, I, like, I hated her in season three of Ted Lasso. Go on. But it's funny because, you know, we put these artists on pedestals and they're just people. She might be an unlikable person. Well, she, she might, might be, be a diva. She, she might, might be. be all these things. You know, I've never worked with her, blah, blah, blah. No one knows. Well, people know. But <laughs> does that does that matter? You know, she's the greatest Australian actress of the last hundred years, probably. All time, probably. I mean, it's a very I Beck think Cartwright, a very strong. Cape <laughs> <laughs> the other Hemsworth, not that one, the other oh, one. Oh, Jennifer no, 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 keep going, the other one. <laughs> That's right, Marcus Hemsworth. <laughs> if I was close enough, I would have slapped you. Okay, Beck Cartwright comment. Beck Cartwright She's- is very funny. That's one of my favourite things you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, get ready for more. No, I don't know. I. <laughs> Yeah, I I I, 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 I enjoy what this uh, what this film does to its audience. Um, mm. You you have this you have this scene that we've just been discussing where she is taking the class and teaching and, and she's wonderfully playing the piano and again in a, in a couple of different styles to yeah. to sort of uh, communicate how the same piece could be played in different styles yeah. and it sounds completely different. And she's talking about the question. And answer 
in the beauty of the, the piece. You then cut to the scene where she's in her little apartment that she, in her wife's words, can't let go of. Her, you know, she, she's yeah, got a, the old sort of crappy one where she's got the beautiful new one. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Give me that apartment. Oh, Jesus. The nice. Concrete right and thinking. just sparse. Oh, you like just, this? She's been oh. in like she lives. She seems to take residence in what seems like six different places. No, well, it's just. I mean, eventually, as the movie <laughs> like goes on and she spirals, yeah. she's in it. But the one Chris is talking about is like this sort of like bachelor pad that so, she yeah, used to live like, in. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. she now uses yeah. obviously but, to bring younger girls to. But yeah, go on, Chris. sure. Um, and so she is. She's in. She's in the one where she's by herself and she has the piano there and she's hearing that. Chime. That chime, what we, what we know late, what we learn later to be the, the the alarm for the for the old lady. She hears it and she she, where's that coming from? But then her mind switches, and her mind switches back to music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 And she puts it through the prism of music as, mm-hmm. and it it's it's the chord, and then it 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 it, it settles itself and it's the. Mm-hmm. It's the call and response. It's the answer and question in two notes. In a micro little. Yeah, and true. that is, that, that, that jet loops back to that scene and you're like, oh, fuck you. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so nice. You've, you've been playing this beautiful piece, but you've done it in two notes. Yeah. Oh, you bastards. You, you, He's a very clever man, Stodfield, mm-hmm. doing this and, and bringing out like the way that the musicality can. He must have character. some sort of musical Re- knowledge, resolve. Unless, or whoever. Resolve was it the res- word I was yes, looking for. Yes, yeah. Guess oh, what? He nice. fucking doesn't. In my understanding, wow, he can me. play. He can he can play piano because he's best known as before he was a director. He was an actor, and he was Nick Nightingale in uh, Eyes Wide Shut. The Kubrick movie. With thumbs wide shot, yeah, icing a tar. <laughs> anyway, he uh, played Marcus. Is Marcus shot. just like his eyebrows went we've up been, and down. We've once, been talking like, peacefully for minutes, and then he's like, "Oh God, the God, voice come is coming, on, guys." He uh, was in uh, Eyes Wide Shut, uh, the Kubrick movie, but then he went on to. Oh wait, I had something for this. Give me a sec. Oh wait, yeah, yeah, I've got a rope just here. I'm gonna put. Give me a sec, guys. Sorry. The butler in a pantry with a mic. No. The butler's pantry. <laughs> I wish someone else did the noise in the middle. That was the sound of the rope, I guess. Uh, uh, no. wrong, what's wrong with the rope? It was it was wet. Um, he was an actor, but again, I can't think of. Oh, he was in something. He's in Twister. Holy the guy who shit. directed this movie has a role in Twister. With the star of Titanic? Yes. <laughs> With <laughs> Bill Paul With someone who's Bill in Paxton. Titanic. Um, I've never seen Twister, but I- You I've... can't explain it. You can't predict it. <laughs> oh, my God. That, give that man an Oscar. Great Twister cow. is a film we should talk about. That's <laughs> a good have. I've never seen it. The cow. But then- <laughs> Right. That was Marcus introducing himself in an episode. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I, think you'll find, I think you'll find that Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah, is in Twister. In Twister. Yes. He's in every, he's in it's my dreams in, every night. Like, we digress. Mean, oh, no, Frank has, something. Frank has something. No, I'm talking about Twister right now. Go on. No, 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 no. I love that film, Helen Hunt, Carrie Ellis. <laughs> Is Carrie Ellis in it? Yeah. We're doing Twister. Oh, yeah, okay. Nice. We'll do it next I've one. never seen it. Who yeah. directed Twister? <laughs> what was your point? <laughs> so I can't remember. What are we He's an about? actor. He plays Todd, piano. Todd Field directed a movie called In the Bedroom in 2001. It's a movie with Tom Wilkinson, Sissy Spacek and uh, Marissa Tomei. And it's a very intimate and quite tragic and uh, heartful drama film. And then he went on to direct Little Children in 2006 with Patrick Wilson and Kate Blanchett and Jackie Earl Haley. And then he fucked off. For like Jackie six- Earl Haley. Haley. And then he. Which Patrick Wilson and Jackie Earl are both in Watchmen. That's true, actually. And Jackie Earl's very good as Rorschach in that movie. Oh, double 12. Oh, Give me back my face! Anyway. And then. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me! <laughs> We should do Watchmen 11. as well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, a few. 11. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Anyway, he uh, goes off to, yeah. No. <laughs> it took two guys, but we got there. <laughs> uh, that, I might be an 11 on that. So, thing, guys. So. Yay! Chris <laughs> <laughs> is drunk. This could be three 11s on this film we're not talking about right I'm now. I'm not even going to say my score. We're going to count this. It's going to be an 11. It's going to be 11. 
That'll so, be our, let's do our fiftieth episode. <laughs> Todd Field directs these two movies, both pretty well received films, and then yeah, he just buggers off for like sixteen years. And allegedly, just a couple of years ago, he just was like, I don't know, I'm kind of interested in the classical world. I'm interested in what I'm seeing around the way that people are engaging with what I think is a long overdue reckoning with the ill behavior and terrible sort of operations within the entertainment industry and within these different cultural things. Celebrities getting away with whatever they want. Absolutely. And also looking at, and this is always a dicey and nuanced and difficult discussion, but like at least a degree to which uh, sometimes it becomes like, okay, we don't need to fucking tar everyone with this. There are people who have made... No pun intended. (gasps) Shit. There are people... (laughs) People who have like misbehaved, engaged in improper behaviour that isn't necessarily criminal or even necessarily enough to maybe derail their entire career. Just morally questionable. Morally questionable, ambiguous. Now, that's not for me to now come on here and go, what I think Lydia Tarr did was absolutely okay. Absolutely not. But I think the reason he's showing this movie is for us to sympathise with a character of grand intellect, of grand ability and perspicacity and then see her out of her element in a world driven by sort of media uptake and engagement with this sort of culture and then ask us what did she do that was wrong and was that even the thing that got her in the end? And then if she did get got, did it get got in the the good way? How got did she how really got get? How got did she get, y'all? How? Well, that's, well, that, well, that's back to my point. Yeah, Marcus That's back said to your that. point. She's still a composer. She's still working. You know, who knows how much money she's making that sort of But her elitist status and her belief in her own sort of like elevated position Mm. is gone. Can I say something controversial? That's a great point, Thomason, but we'll move on. That's That's one of the funnest pantries we've been in. That was a fun pantry. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. There was a lot down there. We need another, we need another sound someone that let is... me in. They closed the door. <laughs> Wait, come, on Wait, come on in, Wait, come on in, Scrap Marcus. Scrab the rope, man. Scrab the rope. the yeah. dreading all Marcus. We need another sound that is you closing the pantry. Wait, no, no. Well, Marcus, really quickly. And take... me on the other side of the door. I want to let you in real quick. Just can you take my hand? Yep. Okay. And you're coming uh, down. You go. Uh, do you see that? Yeah, just like, fucking let me in. <laughs> okay, guys, Marcus is down there. He's okay, for, for, yeah, for the Stay listener, down there. Thomas up? is doing a full mime of <laughs> trapping Marcus in the pantry. What did she actually do to Krista Taylor? I believe Other that than she, manipulate and use and maybe well, have a... I think a, she abused her position to, like, engage and ask for sexual favours and then... And then also destroyed her career and yeah, disparaged her against any other yeah, okay. opportunity. Gas, gaslit her. And even if you could look at their situation and say... On the face of it, there's nothing illegal here. She used what she knew was an elevated status against someone else who saw her within that capacity and then afterwards either grew sick of her or decided that, well, like, I'm not going to, like, live with you. I've got a wife and I've got a child, so, like, you need to go you away You get now. out of my life and, and leave me alone forever and, yes. like, just mm. ignore her. But it speaking is- of illegal, you guys have seen the... Um, I think it's there's also there's a documentary and there's a TV show of the doctor who is meant to inseminate women. Doctor and, Who and uses the no. Doctor Who <laughs> inseminated Doctor Who inseminated no. women. Terrible episode of that show. <laughs> it's really gone downhill. David Tennant. No, <laughs> no, but the, there's a doctor whom does <laughs> <laughs> who um, uses his own sperm to impregnate all these women. Yeah, wow. but. That that's not illegal. There was this weird thing in America that wasn't. They couldn't get him on anything. They ended up um, putting him in jail because of tax fraud or something. Yeah. But he has got him fifty children or whatever it is. <laughs> like he's an absolutely abhorrent, disgusting human. Of course. But because the law wasn't quite right, they had to find another loophole to put him in jail. Shit. Got him. And that's like, yeah, Lydia Tarr is morally questionable and bad, but you know, nothing legally wrong. But She's sexually abusing and destroyed someone's life. So you yep. sort of go, not that I think Lydia Tarr deserves to be in jail, but moral versus legal, you know, it's hard to say. It even asks it was- the question of like her public profile and the sort of worship and adulation she receives. It's like 
maybe there's something there where it's like, well, you're a very adept com- uh, well, uh, maestro. Sorry, well, you go. That's what I want to say. Who cares about the conductor? Well, that the movie compared makes- to the composer. Like, I don't think a conductor is a bad. Like, you know, it's better than the timpani player. But. Playing Tippity is fun. I'm not going to lie. I'm sure it is fun. fun. (laughs) Arguably the director versus the writer, but that's getting into another thing. Chris, you had something. Yeah, is it though? Like the the relationship between between the two, which we never see. We 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 never see here with this this woman. But there is that one uh, shot. I think it's in her second dream sequence. Kate is at the front. Her head is rocking back, and the redhead. Her face is obscured by her red hair and she is sort of holding her. She's almost holding her like a cello, cello. like she's playing her. And it's almost as if Kate actually relinquished control perhaps sexually in that relationship and mm-hmm. and that giving up of control either got to her or was scared about it and so ultimately then went, well, I, I, clearly I have to destroy this woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've seen yeah. me at my most vulnerable. Yes. You've accessed what me I'm at trying, this point. That is what I'm trying no, to say. No, I think that's power, great. the power has flipped at some point. She's gone, yeah, she's you. panicked. Yeah. Thank you to both I mean, that's, that's really nice. I agree. I think it's really a nice good observation. And, it, and it's it's on screen for a second. Yeah, yeah. If you don't if you don't uh, catch it, you'll miss it. Mm. Uh, another baseball reference for Tom. Thank you so much. Wait a minute. Uh, four. <laughs> All right. Five. No. Six, oh, seven. Come in. Boots getting baby. That was composed by Lydia Tarr. Lydia Tarr. She's a real person. Oscars, real quick. Best picture, best director, best original screenplay, best cinematography for Florian uh, Hofmeister. Uh, best Wait, actress Hofmeister Hofmeister Is that Florian real? Hofmeister I know But it sounds like Hey what's up with Hofmeister uh, Florian Hofmeister He did the cinematography For Mordecai Look him up Alright And uh, also for Because okay, uh, we've wow. all seen that I'm sorry I haven't You seen guys it. haven't seen Mordecai Black and white No thank you I'm mortified Ah oh, right. very good Wait <laughs> mo- Black and white What do you <laughs> think I'm talking about I'm thinking about? of Monk Mank Mank with what? Yeah. Morbius? Mordecai's 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 Mordecai. He's thinking of uh, the artist. No, he's thinking of Citizen Kane. No, no, Mank. Sorry. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> who, who directed Citizen Kane? Uh, Orson Welles. David no. Fincher did who Mank. Who wrote Mank? <laughs> the guy, yes, Mank. Here's what, what am I thinking of? Uh, Joseph Mankiewicz. That's a black and white film. That's a black and white movie. There we go. Mordecai's, so, oh my God, where that that me. Mordecai's yeah, the one Mark. with Johnny Depp where he's like, <laughs> oh, the weird detective that yes. sucks. Anyway, it was uh, nominated for a lot <laughs> of Oscars. I would have given this movie uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Won mm. basically everything. It won picture. This is my follow-up question. It won director. It won actress. It won editing. Uh, it took out everything that Tar should have won. Basically, I oh, it took out everything all at once. Everything all at once. Cinematography all went, in once. In w- Tom's words, yes. Cinematography went to James Friend for All Quiet on the Western Front. But apart from that. Um, I would have probably still given everything everywhere all at once. Most of those, I would have given Kate Blanchett best actress. Same. That she was my is question. So fucking good in this. Which would have been is amazing in everything everywhere. But this is a like s- performance. You that could needs say to seminal. For her, seminal. Seminal. For her hey. transition between German and English speaking alone. Oh shit. Yeah. Right. Oh, you know Chris, that- Christoph Waltz has already done that. I don't mm. think that's. But this like goes for acting Melbourne. in German. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That scene with the child Wait for the oh, where she threatens her in German. And mm. introduces oh. herself as the father. The father. Unscripted. Yeah. Oh, shit. Really? No, I'm kidding. Oh. What the fuck? <laughs> you should have killed like, that. Kate, go fuck with that child <laughs> in German. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't even know she knew German. Yeah, she just goes, just like, goes She's ah. like, what, German for this? Like, yeah, sure, whatever. Jesus. Good stuff. Are we changing scores? What are we yeah, doing? Yeah, is anyone going to throw in? Doing a spin here. I'm going to throw in the power. Whoa, What? I what was I originally? Uh, 5.2. 5.2. 5.2. 5.2 I was. I'm gonna give it a 7.5. Wow. That is a big pal. Big pal. A big pal boy. Because that's almost I got there. the answers I wanted. I still oh, that's good. I I stick to my guns where there's some issues that I think could have been fixed. It's me. not a perfect film. Even Tom who gave it a God, a big score, 10? I give it a 10 and I'm now at a 10.3. Even talking about it makes me like it more. Yeah. (laughs) Hearing your own voice. I'm going to go up to an 8.5. Yeah. But there there is the scene with the brother. 
Just that such is an odd scene. Thirty seconds long, and it's purely just trash filler. It's like, oh, yeah. you you don't know what to do with your life. Ah, oh, well, yeah, and that's it. I don't disagree with that. I think that is kind of a like you get it from her being in that house and seeing her name was Linda and all mm. this. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you could lose the brother, and yeah. I think that would be fine. I agree. Yeah, her watching. Um, Bernstein uh, uh, doing Marla and then he talks about how the thing is with music you don't need to understand all these things like ah crescendos and allegros and fortes and all this sort of stuff. He just says all you need to know is that music is how we feel and feeling it is the closest we get to the divine and the spiritual and she starts crying and I start crying. Yeah, it's a good bit. And she is throughout the entire film accusing everyone of being a robot Mm. and yet at every opportunity she is copying... The look, the collars, the 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 front of the what the recording will look like. Mm. It's like you fucking hypocrite. Good you call. goddamn. Oh, when but she tackles it, Mark Strong, but as it well. endears oh, you yeah. so much more to her. You know how the fuck did we not talk about that? So <laughs> <when> she <runs laughs> also Mark, Mark Strong here, and she just pulls him out. And she's like, "This is mine." This <laughs> right, be tackles him off the podium. Not only that, and he's a big man. A moment that I've read so many people who love this movie or enjoy it, and they think it's out of place, and fuck them because it's amazing. Is Kate Blanchett with the accordion? Your oh yes! For sale. Your catchy. mother's in hell. It's a catchy tune. Yes. That's a great. That is amazing. Oh. And it's the payoff yeah. for the, the the two basically and the unraveling and the looseness. Yeah. It's, it's quite good. Um, yeah, what are you going, Frank? I, I'm not telling you. I just said that. But you two were talking. So at wait, the top where of were you at, Frank? Seven point five. Wait, Chris, what were you saying just then? And then oh, lots of things. Okay. Five for sale. And you see the photo of her when she's young and she's playing the accordion. What just happened? What? <laughs> it's the end of the pod. Thank you for listening to Throw in the Podcast for sale. Podcast for sale. I'm Frank. Going very well. I'm, I'm Frank. <laughs> I'm Chris. There we go. Thanks for listening. Sorry about the ending. <laughs>